good evening. So, welcome to a very unusual, uh, I'm not going to say special, but welcome to an unusual episode of Let's Get Trashed. I am doing an opening monologue up top, uh, presenting this kind of like Orson Welles, because what we have for you today is a too short of a regular episode. We were going to be doing a double episode. This was about a month ago, maybe even longer. It's been a while. Uh, Steve and I agreed to meet up very late. We were going to talk about two movies on the same episode. The Last Duel uh, by Ridley Scott and X by Ty West. I was far too Let's Get Trashed for the episode, and Steve lost uh, power not not long into our second segment, which was about the movie X, which, of course, we later re-recorded and put out um, as its own separate episode, which has already been released. Please go check that out on YouTube or Spotify or Apple Music, wherever you consume podcasts. That being said, we did have about 20 minutes of... Very clumsy, inelegant uh, discussion on the movie The Last Duel, which I rewatched to see if it was salvageable. And it's actually, it made me laugh a lot. And as I make, as I say at one point during the episode, that's all that matters. That's who this is for, me. So um, I'm doing a little bit of editing, cutting it around. And I am going to be presenting that because we need an episode. Uh, the reason we need to put this out is because the, Steve and I haven't had a chance to record in about a month. Um, as you know, I'm a musician. Steve is an artist. What you might not know is that Steve is a very successful artist, and he's had a month-long obligation doing an art showing at some gallery in San Francisco, as well as a number of, like, you know, um, printing obligations and kind of stuff. So he has been uh, kind of burning the candle at both ends for a long time. That's why we pre-recorded our first nine episodes. That was hopefully going to last us all the way through April. And then May comes along and we can start recording more stuff, but he's still not available yet. So I'm trying to scramble with any material we can possibly get. Hence, the, the very... The very drunken episode of uh, The Last Duel. Uh, It is pretty funny. I think you can hear Steve very justifiably chastise me for my incessant repetition of the word gray. I say it a bunch of times. Um, If you're interested in a let's get trashed drinking game, taking a shot of alcohol every time you hear me say the word gray would probably be a good one except you would end up in the hospital and i can ill afford to have any of my dear listeners uh be out of the game for any prolonged amount of time i need every one of you listening to this thing so don't try it um yeah sorry i i get a i get a bit repetitive you know when i'm inebriated combined with my natural, you know, loquaciousness. <clears throat> so, before we just dive right into that uh, episode, and I kind of show you where we were at this time and what we were talking about, and I'm not even going to spoil the big, funny reveal of the whole reason I wanted to do that episode in the first place. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about this movie. Uh the last duel and we're going to talk about some history stuff and then i'm going to go into some of its reception and i'm going to talk about the filmmakers comments on it because it's all very kind of relevant and it's uh the kind of thing you hear me ramble on about anyways most of the time and i think this is just more uh uh more evidence to to my points that i that I make frequently. Again, I'm re- I'm repetitive. We all we all know this. Tedious, some would say. 
1386 was the date of the last duel. Um, it's a book by Eric Yeager, a, a historical nonfiction account of uh, rape accusations against a squire in uh, medieval France. It was a big deal, uh, especially at the time. The book really goes into detail explaining what a kind of courageous act that was for this woman, this wife of a squire, to accuse another to accuse another one of something like this at a time when you know I don't think people cared too much, um, and she certainly wasn't believed and even in the courts all kinds of stuff you know if you you if you watch the movie which you should you'll you'll see all the um the stuff that led up to it and of course a lot of it was predicated she had the support of her husband who was also of similar standing and uh you know but it it became a whole thing But that's what it deals with. And in my opinion, it deals with it very well. I think it's a really, really well-made movie. I think it's fascinating. It's a, it's a great movie. I actually, as my longtime listeners will know, I don't tend to give things number ratings because I don't think numbers are like a natural, organic, conversational type of thing. You know, if we're talking about something, do you like this food? Do you like this movie? Do you like this whatever? If I just start, if people just start saying numbers, it's just a, to me, that's an unnatural way of talking. I usually just recommend something yes or no. I deviated from that in this episode. You'll hear me emphatically give it a 10 out of 10. I think the movie's great. Maybe 10 is too high because it's not perfect. But um, I highly suggest you you watch this because it's a very mature well done drama about a sensitive subject let's talk about why you didn't hear about this movie because i can only imagine for many of you this is the first time of you're hearing of it and most of you have not seen it that i can guarantee uh another common, repetitive, tedious strain you've come to uh, recognize on this show is my assertions that Disney is evil. Um, And more importantly than just being evil, which is not that big of a deal, they're bad for filmmaking in general. In 2019, Disney shook filmmaking community to its core by buying Fox, which I I would have never thought that was possible in a million years. It would have never even occurred to me that Fox didn't have enough money to just keep going and that they had to sell themselves to their biggest competitor. It was that was crazy to me. Um, The idea that the idea that Coca-Cola could buy Pepsi as if we all know who's number one, but Pepsi's doing fine, I think. But who knows? If Disney can buy Fox, Coke can buy Pepsi, and uh, Ford can buy Chevy, or vice versa. I don't even know who's bigger in that. I don't even know who's doing slightly better in that world. But either way, that was you know that was a big deal, and it's bad. It's very bad that it happens. Um. <clears throat> It's also bad that we don't, you know, we don't pursue antitrust violations in this country because I don't think Disney should own Fox. Um, But whatever, that's a different discussion. Nevertheless, when Fox, when, when Disney bought Fox 20th Century Studios, which at the time had already been renamed to just 20th Studios or 20th whatever, um, they were contractually obligated to release all or most of the films that were 
under contract with 20th Century Studios uh, that were on that slate. 20th Century had made these deals with these filmmakers. They had green light films. They had said that, here's the money. We have this all set aside. These are contracts in place. It's all part of the business. When they get acquired by another studio, that new studio has to honor those contracts. What companies like Disney don't do, that while they honor the contract, they do put the movie out in theaters. They, uh, they evade or elude their responsibility by not promoting it. They didn't advertise it. They didn't promote it. That's why you've never heard of it, because Disney didn't do any marketing for it, because they didn't want to spend any of that money. This is a good movie, which, of course, obviously makes it contrary to Disney's beliefs of what a movie should be. Um, Disney doesn't make good movies. They make dog shit. And the kinds of movies that were coming out from better studios like 20th Century, like Searchlight, which we talked about in a previous uh, episode. Searchlight was the studio that they acquired um, that put out uh, the Wes Anderson movie, The French Dispatch. Disney was contractually obligated to put that out as well. Um, they might have done more marketing for that because it's, you know, it's Wes Anderson, so it's cute and twee and very, like, you know, I guess it kind of better fits Disney's values of something. I don't know. That's a good movie. But they didn't do it for this, which is a hard-hitting, you know, historical epic drama. Um, it, despite the fact that it was not seen, it was very well received. Let's go through some numbers. We used to, I had big dreams on the first few episodes of like, we're going to go through all the Rotten Tomatoes numbers and we're going to like give an account of what does the community think about these kinds of things? What numbers are we seeing? Um, do we agree with these? Are we in line or are we some kind of rogues that, you know, we have our own wild thing. And then of course we just forgot and don't care. Which is, which is better. It's better to not care. But since I'm doing this by myself to fill some time in order to make this a, a, a full enough episode, we're back to caring, folks. And let's care with Rotten Tomatoes first. Uh, most, common, most common resource for evaluating uh, film nowadays. Um, it's 85% positive critic score and an 81% positive audience score. Those are pretty high. And for those of you that don't know how Rotten Tomatoes works, it's actually not. Um, <clears throat> those numbers, 85%, 81%, that's not an aggregate of, especially the first one, the critic score. That's not a, uh, that's not like a ranking. That doesn't mean it's like 85% good. That means 85% of the critics that they consider to be valid critics, uh, out of a, out of 100 you know, op-eds written about it out of a hundred critical reviews posted somewhere of this by people that they consider authentic critics, 85 of them were positive. Um, so, and then 15 were negative reviews. So that's how we get this 85% critic score. That doesn't even mean that those 85 critics loved it. I think in this case they might have, but again, if 85 out of a hundred critics if 85 out of 100 critics all give this movie a 5.5 out of 10, that means that's a positive review. Even if they all think of it as a 55% movie, because a majority of them pass the 50% mark, that's how we get 85% in the Rotten Tomatoes world. I think their audience score is, runs a little differently. I don't really know. But that's how the critic score works for anybody that's that's unfamiliar with this uh, metric or this mechanism. Now let's take a look at Letterboxd. Letterboxd is an app. Um, we have a Letterboxd. I have a personal Letterboxd, at Nick Tazo on Letterboxd. You can find um, at Let's Get Trashed on Letterboxd as well. You can see how we rate our movies and stuff like that. I just started my personal one, so I need to you know, update that or add more stuff to it because I watch way more movies than our podcast watches 
So um, there's a lot more potential there, but I don't write a whole bunch. It's a little, again, it's a little, uh, it's a little boring sometimes. I feel like I'm writing an essay, writing an essay, or even worse, trying to be trying to come up with something funny, and that's just fucking brutal. So, uh, but anyway, Letterboxd is uh, community driven. That's a 3.7 out of 5, 3.7 stars out of 5, which is pretty high. And IMDb's rating, 7.4. I think that's also kind of like community-driven. I think that's just from people going to IMDb and, uh, you know, how they rate it, and then it just averages. So I'm pretty sure that's uh, also like community stuff. So that's why we didn't see this movie, is because nobody heard about it. Um, Disney was trying to save money by not promoting it, even though it's good, it's well-received critically by audiences and critics alike. Um, I fully blame Disney. Ridley Scott, the director of this film, publicly doesn't blame Disney. Um, he went on Mark Maron's WTF podcast. If you're familiar with comedian Mark Maron, although he's probably more famous now as podcaster Mark Maron and actor Mark Maron. But I remember when he was failure comedian Mark Maron. I remember when he had to quit comedy because he was unsuccessful. And I said, oh, that's too bad. I, I always kind of liked Mark. I mean, you hate to see a dude just have to quit. And then he started podcasting instead of doing stand-up comedy because that was like a new art form or a new, you know, whatever, interview form. And then he took off, and he was like the number one guy for a really long time until uh, I think Joe Ro Joe Rogan took him over, and now Rogan's much bigger. But anyway, um, I was I'm actually kind of annoyed because I don't like Mark Maron that much. But I was going through his episodes because I was going to listen to the Ridley Scott one to prepare for this. Spoiler alert: I didn't. I listened to like part of it um, and fell asleep. But. As I was going through, his, I was scrolling down trying to get back to November when he recorded that with Ridley Scott. And I'm going through and I'm seeing all these. I was like, damn, Marin interviews good people. Like, it's, I'm going to have to start listening to that show because he has people on there that I like. He has Tarantino. Um, there's an episode, he reposted an old episode with the amazing Jonathan, who I fucking love. And as you longtime listeners of uh, Let's Get Trash will know, I did an amazing Jonathan uh, tribute. On one of our earlier episodes, I don't know what it is. He also has the Smothers Brothers. He interviewed the Smothers Brothers, which is awesome. I didn't know those guys were still alive. And he interviewed them, you know, in October or December or whatever. So that's cool. I I saw those guys once when I was a kid and thought they were hilarious. The Harlingen Municipal Auditorium. Saw the Smothers Brothers. Pretty good seats, too. We were up, you know, we were, I mean... It's a small theater. It's not that big, but pretty good seats. The uh, I don't know which I don't know which of the brothers is the bass player, but the bass um, tuning pegs are all like brassed out, like really shiny chrome or brass, and it was in my eye the entire goddamn concert. It's a little annoying, but it was a great show. So those guys are still alive, and they're talking to Mark Marin in his garage. Uh, so I don't know how, you know, either way, on that show, Ridley Scott was asked about why the movie was such a flop. It made $27 million on a hundred something million dollar budget. This is bad. Um, nobody went to go see this. It's a bad movie or a bad, um, bad box office re uh, returns. When asked about that, um, thinking he would blame Disney and their lack of promotion, he says he doesn't. He doesn't blame, he doesn't regret anything about the movie or anything about Disney's promotion of it. Uh, he blames millennials who, and, and, I, and I can only assume millennials and younger, he says it's because uh, those age groups can't process anything that's not on their phone. Uh, you know, he, he thinks, he thinks, people aren't going to see movies because um you know it has to you know people aren't going to see serious adult mature themed movies because they're 
too distracted by what's on their phone or they need uh i think he also makes the assertion the assertion that they need you know um easily digestible crap so he's not wrong he's doing what he has to do he's finding a scapegoat because that's not the reason um <clears throat> plenty of these movies get seen make money you know that it, it it happens it, it if it happens once it happens drive my car i think made more money you know um power of the dog that was a that was netflix um i'm trying to think of like the oscar contenders from last year i'm sure king richard made more money than the last duel um you know drive my car probably made more money uh drive my car is as boring a as boring a film that you will ever see i watched it it's great it's really good it's interesting i don't know anything i kind of want to do a whole drive my car episode but i need to do it with somebody that knows anything about like japanese cinema because i don't know anything about japanese cinema or i don't really know anything about japanese culture or like japanese people or anything like that um so i'm watching these i was like is he making these decisions is that you know i was just confused i was like is this a decision that is like not uncommon in japan in japan or is this dude an anomaly like i can't i don't know what's going on but it's a very beautifully shot movie very kind of weird and unusual um takes a long time to to develop but it's cool it's really good nevertheless drive my car made Whatever, whatever, whatever money it made, it certainly didn't cost over a hundred million dollars to film a, to film a Japanese playwright driving around in a sob, listening to a cassette tape for three hours. Um, <clears throat> so it didn't cost them any money to tell a mature, you know, sad uh, adult storyline. But Ridley Scott's comments about blaming millennials, you know. They only look at their phones and all this kind of shit. Um, that got a lot of like press because obviously those kinds of you know uh, comments always do. And again, he's not wrong. Look, the top movies always are these goddamn you know superhero movies and Star Wars is and all this all this Disney shit that's easily digestible. Again, if he's mad at audiences for only going to that kind of stuff, he should be mad again at Disney for monopolizing like theater space if you'll check our instagram follow it let's get trash pod on instagram you'll see i recently posted a video of quentin tarantino discussing a battle he had um about six or seven years ago over you know over theater space um he you know he was fighting star wars he was fighting disney <clears throat> they wanted to they were going to – the theater that The Hateful Eight was supposed to debut at in, in L.A., um, Disney told that theater to break their contract with Tarantino so that Star Wars could run an extra two weeks. Instead of ending their run and then doing the Tarantino run, which was in 70 millimeter, 70 millimeter film, they were like, no, we want you to cancel your contract. We decided we want two more weeks of fucking Star Wars. Um, they do that all the time. Very pop, very uh, viral screenshot of the AMC in Times Square, New York, uh, went viral last week or the week before, talking about Doctor Strange Two. Was on seventy showtimes, seventy showtimes a day. It's on every screen at this AMC in Times Square. You can't see another movie at this movie theater. Um, and. That's not AMC's decision. Disney tells these like Disney tells every movie theater, but not not just every movie theater, but especially the like iconic ones like CinemaCon in LA and you know the Times Square film. Disney specifically targets those to be like, we have to be the only thing at your theater for this amount of time. <clears throat> and that's obviously, obviously bad. Now, 
as to why Ridley Scott took the safe choice of criticizing the, you know, the invisible millennial that he can't even see as opposed to the actual culprit, which is Disney. That's obvious, you know. There's no other game in town. There's soon going to be no other game in town. So how can he criticize Disney? Um, <clears throat> you know, he wants to keep working, and it looks and it's looking like Disney's the only boss he's going to be able to have since they bought fucking Fox. Um, you know, they're in discussions. Maybe this is a rumor I heard. They're in discussions to buy a twenty-four. Like you know, there's no one else. So can't say anything bad about Disney. All right, I have given enough, I think. Uh, this is now enough to be a full episode. I hope you, you know, I've got nobody to talk to or bounce these ideas off of, so I hope you just enjoyed my rambling a little bit. Nevertheless, up next uh, are our very highly intoxicated review of The Last Duel, including one of the funniest developments one of the funniest conversations i ever had with steve was about this movie and i try to explain it as best i can anyway thanks for everybody for tuning in um make sure to follow me you know on twitter at nick tazo uh on instagram at nick tazo drums follow the podcast at let's get trashed pod follow you know steve at step on hand all that kind of stuff um, just to check, kind of check out what we're doing. I'm going to be traveling a bunch. I'm out of town every weekend in May, and then I'm out of town for two weeks in June. So, you know, check out Instagram. See if I see if I put some cool stuff up there. All right, uh, here we go. Let's get trashed. Episode ten: The Last Duel. All right. So, welcome to another episode of let's get trashed after dark because it this is, is actually fitting too because we're watching a movie that's pretty it's pretty dark if you think about it i guess oh i'm exiting yeah. out a bunch of shit right now so i can it's also this is also one of the few actual let's get trashed episodes because i had a rehearsal earlier with my very successful latin funk band superphonicos and then oh, afterwards, super funicles. Super funicles. And afterwards, uh, me and one of our guitar players went out to the bar, and I got fucking drunk. So welcome to Let's Get Trashed, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're recording this at 1 a.m. Central Time on a Wednesday or Thursday, whatever. I don't really know how. <laughs> I know I'm only in my early 30s, but... Pretty soon I have to figure out how AM and PM works. I don't know. <laughs> is it still Wednesday? It's Wednesday night, but it's 1 in the morning. How is that even possible? It's Tuesday morning is what you're saying. For, okay. Thursday. First Thursday. First of all, you're so dumb that you didn't even. I'm, be, I'm being silly. <laughs> I'm being I'm being funny. You're not being charismatic. You're not being silly. You're being an asshole. I'm being silly. I'm being very charismatic. I'm being funny. <laughs> I'm making a joke about how it's sometimes confusing to like, is it Thursday morning? Is it Wednesday night? Quick, quick question. You, you legitimately said it's Tuesday, which, ladies and gentlemen, is fucking 36 hours away from the actual time it is. That's how goddamn dumb Steven is. Here's another thing. First of all, here's first another of thing all, we're going to talk you, about. You. Fucking stupid <laughs> Steven. <laughs> we tried to record this earlier. We tried to record this twelve hours multiple ago, times, multiple times yeah. for a daytime. Let's get trashed. Yep. In the regular Let's Get Trashed studios, we didn't want to be in the After Dark studios. Um, but we tried to record this earlier. It didn't work. We were having some Zoom troubles. But during that time, hanging out with Steven, I discovered <laughs> that he completely misunderstood Ridley Scott's. The last we're not duel. talking about last duel. We're, we're talking we about, are talking about it. No, we're not. Uh, we're this not. is a gotcha episode, <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> welcome to a fucking gotcha episode of Let's Get Trashed. <laughs> this is where this is where we put one of our co-hosts on the spot and make them 
mis- make them explain how they misunderstood a fucking movie. <laughs> Wait, first of all, no. first of all, we were this is we're talking about X. We're not talking about the last duel. I think we're gonna talk about I it. Didn't, no, I haven't this watched is a about, double. I this is a dual episode in three fucking months. I don't remember a lot about it because I didn't dig on it very much. So I fucking put some shit together. I I sourced my material and I was like, no, what? This is a better movie for it. I thought that the rape <laughs> happened multiple times, you motherfucker. It's not my fault that there was poor storytelling in that movie. I did not see that. I did not see three different perspectives. I just saw one multiple times. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is fucking crazy. All right. So, so while Steve is begging for some fucking assistance, this is, I'm going to explain, I'm going to explain everything he just rushed through. No. Let's... And that is. Uh, so this is we're gonna do a mini review of Last Duel. I don't think we can do an entire episode on the Last. You want to just do like a mini episode, and then we can do the. We <laughs> won't separate them. We're gonna combine them. We're gonna combine the oh, Last Duel oh, next because oh. why not? We're already here. We have no fucking listeners anyways. Fuck everybody. It doesn't matter. Um, so we're gonna start off with Ridley Scott's <laughs> The Last Duel, written by Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, and Nicolette something. Um, I apologize to the woman because I don't know your name. Um, but I'll look brought, it up. Jesus Christ! Please look her up. Please look it up. While Steve is looking uh, the the female writer's name up, I'm gonna explain that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck brought her on board because they didn't want to just write this movie about the sensitive topic without having a woman's perspective. So they they um, <clears throat> Nicole Hollow Hollow Sensor I don't know how to say that. Last Nicole Hollow Sensor. H O L O F C E N E R. Okay. Is it? I don't know what sure. that is. I believe it. Nicole Holof Sensor. That sounds. Right to me, I guess. I don't know. I don't know her name. Let's, but let's... either way, the point is this movie about a very sensitive subject, especially could be sensitive to women. Uh, hashtag. It could be. It is sensitive warning. to women. Um, this was. They. they <laughs> Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Super seemed like super nice guys to me. They did a. They purposefully went out and they they found a, a female writer to add her perspective to their screenplay. They didn't want to just put this out as in like we wrote Goodwill Hunting fucking thirty years ago and now we're we, gonna do. We still it. got it. We still and got now, it. Yeah, we still got it. <laughs> we still got it. Now we're gonna write. Now we're gonna write a medieval a medieval rape story. Um, trigger warning: rape. They they brought in a woman to to get a female writer's perspective. Nicole Nicole crazy name Hall of Censor. Hall of Censor. Nicole Hall of Censor. Oh, there's no oh, it's Hall of Center. Hall of Center. Hall of Center. Hall of Center. Okay. She is. Uh, she's doing a lot of work. <laughs> she she's catching a lot. She's cat. Yo, she's the sunblock on this fucking. <laughs> The sunblock. Catching you... a lot of rays. Um, so we're gonna start off talking about Ridley Scott's, uh, written by Nicole Hollif Center, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, and then directed by Ridley Scott. The movie is called The Last Duel. It's starring Matt Damon, Adam Driver, and um and Jody. Can you please look up? Her name Jody. What? This is a great. Um, I'm Jody look, I, I look sexist as fuck right now because there's two women involved in this movie and I don't know either of their names. Yeah, I do though because I'm looking it's, it up. It's not that hard. It's, it's Jody something. <laughs> it's Jody uh, Cor- uh, Comer. Jody Comer. Comer. C O M E R. C O M E R. C O M E R. Jody Comer. Okay. One thousand percent. Go watch this movie. It's incredible. We're we're gonna we're gonna skip our we're gonna whatever. Right away, we're giving our recommendations. Go watch the last duel. Don't it's on HBO it. Max. Jodie Comer was incredible in it. She's the it's... best part of the movie. She's the best actor in the film, and it's an in, it's an incredible film. And to our listenership, and I'll get to you in a moment, Steve. <laughs> but I have to tell our listenership who hasn't listened who hasn't watched this movie. The entire premise of the last 
last duel. I almost said the last dance, which is a fucking Michael Jordan documentary. <laughs> Let's get trashed. I've I'm three sheets, folks. I've been drinking for three hours already. Um, the entire premise of the last duel is that it's told from three perspectives. It's told from Matt Damon's perspective. He's the husband to um to a uh, Marguerite, a, a beautiful woman, Marguerite, played by Jodie Comer. So it's Matt Damon's perspective. It's uh second in the second perspective we see is Adam Driver's perspective. He's a uh, a friend, a fellow knight of the French round table, whatever the fuck. He's another squire in the French aristocracy. That's Adam Driver, Matt Damon, Adam Driver, and then Jodie Comer. Um and then the premise, the central arc of the movie is that Adam Driver, who is who plays uh Jacques Legree, a French knight, he at one point in the film, trigger warning, turn this off if you this bothers you. And guaranteed if anything bothers you, turn it off. <laughs> so Jacques Legree, played by Adam Driver, he rapes Jodie Comer, which is uh, Marguerite uh, Carouge, which is Matt Matt Damon's wife. Matt Damon plays Jean de Carouge. The the entire film is told from three perspectives. It's told from Matt Damon's perspective. It's told from Adam Driver's perspective. And finally, it's told from uh, Jodie Comer's perspective. Uh, It's a very, very well-made film. It's it's. It's not beautifully shot because it's it did you notice that because it's like the fourteen hundreds or the thirteen hundreds, everything is all gray. It's very like it has that kind of gray filter, like this is what this is what the world used to look like eight hundred yeah, years ago. Yeah. Which I don't know. It, so it's not a beautiful film. I don't think it's partic- I mean it's got some it's got some excellent shots. But it has a filter on it that makes the whole thing look very pallid. The whole thing look very pale. Um, Ridley Scott did the same thing in Gladiator. Everything in Gladiator looks kind of yellow. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And everything in this movie looks super gray. And it's like, I don't know. I it I understand like the atmosphere you're trying to present, but France 800 years ago probably looks like France today, where it's just Ray. they have a blue sky. The sky's blue. That's that's non negotiable. In this in this TV in this movie, the sky's gray. Uh, I'm pretty sure modern day France has a blue sky. I'm pretty sure a thousand years ago the sky was blue in France. I'm gonna disagree. You're gonna disagree. Yeah. Well, here's why I'm not gonna take your opinion seriously. Shut the fuck up. Let's get Here, to the actual point to, of the movie. God now damn we're it. To the motherfucking point. Now we're we're not getting to the point of the movie. I already explained the point of the movie. The point is, okay. we see this terrible crime committed against um, Marguerite de Carouge, played by Jodie Comer. It's Comer. Comer. We we see this crime committed against her. This. <laughs> woman this wife of a nobleman is raped by adam driver multiple times <laughs> literally one time <laughs> the entire point of the movie is that it happens once and that we see it from we we see the the lead up to it from three perspectives we actually only see the the rape itself the crime from two perspectives because there's only two people in the room at that time uh, matt damon's character is off elsewhere so he's not able if he was there he would have stopped it and then we wouldn't have even had a rape um but he's off elsewhere so we don't see his perspective but the point is we see the movie has three distinct povs uh your your beloved co-host of let's get trashed industries <laughs> Stephen longoria <laughs> was so fucking high when he watched this movie <laughs> He didn't understand that we're watching 
multiple perspectives of the same scene. He thought he thought this poor woman got raped twice by the same man in the exact same manner. That's not unbelievable. It's That's... completely unbelievable. <laughs> the premise of the film. The film starts with Matt Damon and Adam Driver going to war. And we see the we see it starts off Matt Damon's perspective, then it goes to Adam Driver's perspective, and both times it starts at the same war with the the bad guys on the other side of the river cutting the throats of innocent people, and it happens twice to clearly show us that we're restarting the story from a different perspective, and Steve Steve watches this going like, damn, these people. <laughs> These people on this river are having a fucking rough go of it because every six weeks they're getting their fucking throats cut. <laughs> Thank God our two main characters are here both times to yeah. help. To defend the land. To defend the land. That's a believable you situation. Thought it was the exact same, you thought it was the exact same scene happened both times. Yeah. Both times the war is fought. Yeah, afterwards. there's lots of wars in that time. There could be... A lot of beheadings, motherfucker. Don't act like that's out of the norm. You're, seeing, you're making it it's seem like this is a rare occurrence. Out of the norm. This is not. <laughs> There's beheadings every day. What are you talking about, man? That's just There's another fucking day. Every day. <laughs> yeah. I forgot that Matt Damon logged into a fucking live leak looking for, looking for beheading videos from the fucking Shiites. No, there's not beheadings every day. That's why he was so worked up about it, and he charged to go stop it. At you know, thereby losing the, you know, Matt Damon is a knight or a, a he's a, a squire, lower than knight for a majority of the film. Spoilers alert! By the way, if you're even watching this, thank you. <laughs> this is completely God bless. God. This is completely unwatchable. We don't care. We're not trying to be good. <laughs> but the, the We're fact not that, trying to be good. The fact that Steve completely misunderstood this film. He lit, he thought those people got their heads cut off twice. Twice. He thought oh. this poor woman got raped twice. He thought I don't know. I can't. I, I've been laughing all day. We talked about this this afternoon when we were doing sound check and trying to figure out this fucking podcast. It's been making me laugh all day that it's just like Steve's just watching this movie so fucked up on marijuana, on yep. edibles, being you know just completely so fucked up being like watching this watching this woman get raped twice. From the two different perspectives, being like, "Damn, this is having a rough go of it." Like, this okay. is having a rough week. I also watched this in pieces. I didn't watch this the same day. I didn't finish the whole thing. You know, I was like, I watched the first half. I was like, "Okay, that's a that's a lot," you know. And I was like, "Well, let's get into the second half." And the second half was just as bad as the first, believe it or not, because it was apparently the same shit. I didn't think about it. I was like, "This is crazy that this happened twice for this poor woman." Same situation, like. <laughs> Insane. It's fucking insane. That's so funny. I give this a six out of ten. <laughs> Don't you're wrong. I'm not, I'm not even gonna let Steve rate this. I just did, motherfucker. I just... I'm not if you go to our official letterbox account. Can you like breathe, bro? Jesus Christ. No, I'm fucking I've been drinking. I'm hiccuping. I'm like a, I'm like a, I'm like one of the fucking donkeys in Pinocchio right now. Like Pinocchio, Pino, Pinocchio. Pinocchio. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm about to smoke a fucking cigar. I'm hiccuping. I'm a mess. Um. Anyway, yeah. So we're disregarding Steve's no. analysis of the last duel. Just don't he watch didn't it. understand it. He didn't understand the core premise of it. Which happens to him a lot. You'll see that in our Jackass episode whenever that comes out. He also doesn't understand a Jackass, <laughs> Jackass pranks, which is crazy. He shouldn't be doing this podcast. Don't know how I got. <laughs> I don't even know how he got here. I was holding auditions, and it's he's the only guy that showed up. He's, he's the, the best option. <laughs> but 
we're disregarding <gasps> his opinion on the last duel. Oh. I'm saying I don't do number reviews. I'm saying ten out of ten, the last duel. Fucking ten out of ten. Duel. Are you fucking serious? Uh I'm gonna say nine. I mean, at least nine out of ten. It's a great. It's a work of art. It's a work of art. It's one of the best acted movies I've seen in a really long time. The 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 performers. In order to, because they they perform everything three times, because we see the film from three perspectives. <clears throat> and so, for example, uh, Adam Driver's character, who's a Lothario, he's a sex fiend. Oh, I didn't know that. That's what. Yeah, he's that's his whole premise is that he's like he's you know in the in in thirteen hundreds French France they would call they call him a libertine. Um. That just means he's free with his body. He he's a he's a Lothario kind of guy. He's a dude that fucks a lot. He so when he sees Jodie Comer's character, he sees her behavior. He he witnesses her behavior from his perspective. He thinks she's being like teasing or something. He thinks she's being coy. And then when you see it, and, and so. That whole segment of the movie that's that is presented from his perspective, she is the Jodie Comer, the actress, is is acting coy because that's what he sees. And then when the perspective shifts to her perspective, which is the correct perspective, she's not acting coy. She's acting terrified and pulling away. And so she has to she has and then the first time from Matt Damon's perspective, her husband's perspective, it's barely even noticeable. She's just kind of in the background, and so she has to do some kind of backgroundy shit because Matt Damon's not paying attention. She has to do the exact same motions, actions, three times with these th three various inflections. One of, like, nobody's paying attention to me. Two of, I've got to do this being coy. And three, I have to do this... With my real emotion, which is I'm scared. It's fucking genius level acting. Um, I don't know if it would. I don't know if this movie would win like best cinematography or best um, <clears throat> special effects or anything like that. I don't know if that's what makes this movie good. I don't think so. It's fine, but again, it's very gray. It's very like this is what I think the Middle Ages look. I think the world used to be gray. Ridley Scott's kind of dumb, but the performances in this film from the cast, unbelievable. Unbelievable. And the fact that they all act, the fact that they all act these same scenes multiple times with these different nuances, it's incredible. It's so well done. This is like... I mean, it's a really mature storytelling. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> 10 out of 10. I can't give it less than 10 out of 10. If you like watching actors <clears throat> explore roles, there's nothing you can there's nothing you can give this movie but a 10 out of 10. Okay. You know, the only the only downside to it was like Oh, the wide shots of ancient Paris are CGI and they don't look that great. Or the entire world looks gray and doesn't look that realistic because they're trying to do like that Dark Ages-y, you know. What does the Dark Ages look like? It's probably fucking gray. Like, probably dark. Yeah. As if, the, as if Dark Ages means if it's permanent daylight savings time. Like that's not what Dark Ages means. Or it's standard time or whatever the fuck. Like it's that's not what it means. Um so again, it, it falls into that trap of like, let's make everything gray so we know it's a miserable medieval time. Oh yeah. It doesn't look that great. Although there are some really interesting <laughs> shots. But the acting is phenomenal. The acting right. let's get to the, our next movie. 
The acting by these characters is the enough. Amount of gray you said movement. in this fucking time span. You said gray at least fifteen times in a fucking twenty minute span, motherfucker. We know it's gray. We know it's great acting. We know you give it ten out of ten. We don't need to hear how fucking gray it is. You're like, you know, what the dark times were. Yeah, no, the fucking it was dark. We saw that shit in this fucking movie. We don't need any more than that. God damn. Okay, let's go on to the movie we're actually supposed to be reviewing. Okay, X. So this movie was not gray. <laughs> All right, Steven has brought to my attention that I say the word gray too much, <laughs> way too much, while intoxicated, because holy shit, man. Uh, why don't you gray ready to suck my dick, asshole, because Bitch, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about, that was so horrible. the point of this episode, now that we've, we're going to, this is a double, this has to be a two part, man, because it was fucking long. No, it wasn't even that long. Everyone's heard you say gray more than the necessary amount of times in a lifetime. We're, we're going to do a double ep. This is a double episode, all right? Okay, fine. All right, everybody, the movie we are going to be talking suck about. Suck my dick. Double ep. You're going to have to edit this so No, much. I'm not. No, I'm not. Go fuck yourself. If you don't like it, <laughs> I legitimately, we have no listeners and no fans. Go fuck yourself. If you're one of the nine people that listens to this shit. Nine people listen? No, actually, it was kind of 20. Oh, okay. But I don't know. Kind of 20? What does that mean? It means there was 20 views on YouTube. I don't know how many of those were me. I don't know what counts as a view on YouTube. I know nothing about this art form, and I'm doing quotation marks with my fingers for the people listening. Um, so I have no idea what counts as a view. Okay. It doesn't matter. Well, this is not for you. Let's just jump off that topic. It's though. for me. But this whole thing is for me. This is a personal statement against the not for you. It's right. the only way you can make art, or in this case, art criticism, um, is I do it for myself and not for you. Okay, that's fine. Also, I'm a mean guy. <laughs> I'm a mean man. Moving on to what's... All right, we're moving on past the last duel, which you should see. Rate it 10 out of 10. Um, check our letterbox at Let's Get Trash Pod. 